morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Jason Copping. I'm pleased to be here as both the MLA for Calgary Varsity, and, and we're in the heart of Calgary Varsity right now, uh, and as the, uh, the Minister of Health. And, and I'm pleased to be here on Treaty 7 territory, home to the Blackfoot Confederacy, which contains con uh, contains the Siksika, Kaine, and Bakani nations, uh, as well as the Zusina and Nakoda nations. And I also acknowledge the Metis people who share a deep history and connection with this land. It's so nice to see everyone, and I appreciate you t all taking the time to join us here this morning because it's a memorable day to be here in Calgary. Today, we mark a milestone of being one giant step closer to opening the doors of this amazing new facility. And although there's still work to be done before the doors open to the public, we have a number of special guests here to tell you about the impact this facility has had already in Calgary and area communities and the tremendous role it will serve for Albertans for generations to come. So please join me in welcoming uh, my colleague, Nathan Newdorf, Deputy Premier and Minister of Infrastructure, Dr. John Cowell, Official Administrator, Alberta Health Services, Dr. Don Morris, Clinical Department Head, Alberta Health Services. John Osler, Co-Chair of the Campaign for Own Cancer. Nashrin Mithra, Member of Patient and Family Advisory Council. And I also would like to do a special shout out for our colleague, the MLA of Calgary Edgemont and former Minister of Infrastructure who worked very hard on this project as well, Prasad Panda, who is in the room. So now to kick off celebrations, I would like to invite Nathan Nord Newdorf, uh, Deputy Premier and uh, Minister of Infrastructure to come say a few words. Thank you, Minister Copping. First, I would also like to acknowledge that we are gathered today on the traditional territory of the signatories to Treaty 7 and also acknowledge the Métis people of Alberta who have a deep connection with this land. I am so pleased to be here to share this great news and this project that has spanned so many years, a government or two, and so many great people helping push this project along. Again, MLA Prasad Panda was a key figure in helping move this project forward and ensuring that it stayed on time and on budget. Through hell or high water and even a pandemic, Mr. Panda has been there as a strong supporter in getting us all here today, and I would like to extend my sincere appreciation for all his hard work. This is an incredible day for Calgary and all of Alberta, for cancer patients, their families, and their loved ones, as well as for all Albertans. Given the challenges of the past couple years, it is a great accomplishment to hand over the $1.4 billion Calgary Cancer Centre to Alberta Health Services. While the facility is not yet ready for patients, AHS is working hard towards opening the facility to the public. Calgary, you have one of the finest facilities of its kind, not only in Canada, but in the world. A centre of excellence that will bring improved cancer care programs, services and research to Calgary and southern Alberta. And approximately five years ago, construction started, but years of planning and development came before that. We were all beginning to build a generational building. It is a significant game changer in the battle against cancer a state-of-the-art facility where lives and loved ones will be saved and miracles will occur. Since the start of construction, the Calgary Cancer Centre project has been an economic generator for Calgary and the region. From the day that the first load of soil was moved, the impact of this project has been felt well beyond the construction site. This has been one of the largest infrastructure projects in the province in the past few years. 
and it has been a major economic generator in southern Alberta. Each day, seven days a week, workers were on site, installing the wiring, the lighting, building the walls, the floors, the ceilings, making this hospital the building that you're standing in today. And as someone who has former construction experience, this is a beautiful, incredible building. I hope you take the time to enjoy it. The architectural features, the engineering design, uh, we should be very proud of all of those who worked on it. This project has created approximately 8,770 well-paying construction and construction-related jobs. In fact, during the peak of construction, there were approximately 1,275 workers on site at any given time. So thank you again to all of the architectural, engineering, construction, suppliers, inspectors, and everyone who worked on this project. To date, approximately 7 million hours have been worked on this site. A good portion of those wages and those workers were, stayed right here in Calgary and area helping the local economy, keeping your friends and neighbours working and local businesses thriving. Projects like the Calgary Cancer Centre has, also have a significant long-term impact as they attract future investment into our communities, providing jobs, attracting new people who come for the opportunity and hopefully to stay to put down roots. In a couple of minutes, when the tours get underway, you'll get to see some of the innovative features that were incorporated into the design and construction of Alberta's, Alberta's newest symbol of hope. AHS has begun the critical process of preparing for health services on site. I know that they will be working vigilantly to open the Calgary Cancer Centre to patients as soon as possible. And I look forward to joining you in 2024 when the Calgary Cancer Centre officially opens its doors. Thank you for today. Thank you to the Minister. And I invite my, my colleague, the Minister of Health, Jason Copping, to come back to the podium. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Minister Newdorf, and, and I'm looking forward to a great big key for the building shortly. Right? So I'm very pleased to be here to celebrate this milestone on the road to opening up the new Calgary Cancer Centre. We're making steady progress in preventing cancer, detecting it earlier, and treating it more effectively. But the, the reality is the total burden of cancer continues to increase as our population grows and ages. And nearly half of Albertans will deal with a cancer diagnosis in their lifetime. And that's why the Calgary Cancer Centre is so needed and so important, not only to the city of Calgary, but to southern Alberta and to our province as a whole. The centre was designed to encompass the whole continuum of cancer care, from prevention, screening and early detection, to research and collaboration, treatment development and clinical trials, to patient care and to education. This world-class facility will offer cutting-edge cancer treatment and host research labs that will encourage innovative work and attract the best researchers from around the world here to Alberta. When it opens next year, it will be a giant step forward for patients and families and for our health system overall. We need more capacity for cancer care, and we are investing in it. That means facilities like this one and the care patients get each and every day. We're taking real steps forward in cancer care in spite of the pandemic. We're actually doing more cancer surgeries today than before the pandemic, and that means patients who need surgery are getting it sooner. 
In 2018, about 60% of cancer surgeries were done within recommended time. Today, it's closer to 70%. Now, that's still not good enough. Every patient should get their surgery within the standards set by specialists. But it's moving in the right direction, and we'll keep working until every surgery meets this standard. We're doing more cancer treatment overall, not just surgery. Last year, AHS handled nearly 800,000 cancer patient visits in total, compared to fewer than 700,000 in 2018. That's nearly 20% more patient visits compared to three years earlier. And the demand for cancer care is going to keep growing as our population grows and ages, and we'll keep adding capacity to meet that demand. We're also doing more screening to find cancer earlier so we can treat it better and have better success. AHS recently announced that they were lowering the age for women to begin routine breast screening to 45 from 50 years of age. We're the only province in Canada to do that. And quite frankly, it's the right thing to do. And we're able to do it because we have the capacity to do more mammograms. AHS also recently launched a new screening program that uses CT scans to identify lung cancer in patients who are high risk but haven't been diagnosed yet. It means doing more CTs. And again, we can do them because we are adding capacity in diagnostic imaging. We are doing 20% more CT scans today than in 2018 before the pandemic. And that means patients who need urgent scans are getting them done faster. We're also doing 10% more MRI scans than before COVID. So patients who need MRIs urgently are also getting those faster as well. We're leading the country in putting more resources into detecting cancer sooner. And we're leading the country in recovering from the pandemic and clearing the backlogs that built up over the past three years. Just one recent example, it was reported that pap tests should take a couple of weeks to process, but they're taking a couple of months, but not here in Alberta. Our labs are processing those tests without delay, and that means patients and their doctors get results faster, and they get treatment faster. And we're moving forward with research and new treatments like CAR-T therapy, a treatment that modifies the patient's own immune cells to help them fight cancer when other treatments have failed. One of the most wonderful days I've had in my whole career was just this past spring when I joined patients and clinicians to talk about the stunning results that people were seeing from that therapy, the CAR-T cell therapy, uh, at the Cross Cancer Institute in Edmonton. Now, there are too many stories to tell at one time about the work our clinicians and researchers are doing in cancer care. I am grateful to them and to all the physicians and staff in our health system for doing incredible work, particularly doing during challenging times. I'm proud to support them, and I'm looking forward to more steps forward here in Calgary and across the province. And this facility will offer more than leading-edge treatment. It will be a haven, a place that offers healing and hope for patients and supporters. And I know you can see behind me the, the, the outdoor garden. Um, and uh, because it's the winter, it doesn't look as good as it can be. But I can tell you uh, that this was the heart of the building. So people can look out their windows and look down on the gardens to be able to have light in their rooms, which helps in healings, and be able to walk the gardens as a, as a healing space. Because cancer affects more than just the body. It attacks people's mental health and well-being and it impacts all those who love them. And this Calgary Cancer Centre will offer dedicated spaces for counselling and support, whether it's assessing the services of a psychologist or spending time in patient centre areas to take a quiet moment to reflect and regroup, just like 
which you can see behind me. Even the design of the Calgary Cancer S Center, two buildings encircling each other around a central heart, reflects the integrative and supportive nature of the treatment and work that will take place here. We made Albertans a promise back in 2019, a stronger, publicly funded healthcare system with better access to care. And we're delivering on this province in cancer care and working on it across the entire healthcare system. So once again, thank you so much for coming. And with that, I'd like to call upon Dr. Cowell to say a few words. Um, thank you, uh, Minister Copping, and also Minister Newdorf. It's uh, a real honor and a pleasure to be here to represent Alberta Health Services as its newly minted official administrator. Um, not so long ago, I was happily enjoying retirement, but now I'm back, and I'm quite say I'm thoroughly enjoying the challenge. But you know, I. Um, I want to just say something a little more personal. I see this as a phenomenal building for sure, and it's, but it's way more than uh, a, an achievement of construction. I, I see it also as an intense, intensely personal achievement. And I want to acknowledge all the thousands of people that were involved in this ultimate creation that allowed us to get here to today. Um, right from the time eight or ten years ago when I was involved briefly with the dreamers that wanted it, the uh, troubles trying to decide where, when, and how, and here we are ten, well, eight years later standing in this amazing place that has so much promise uh, for the care that my uh, fellow speakers are going to address. Um, you know, when you think about it, it all those workers that uh, Minister uh, Newdorf were uh, referring to, thousands of them, and, you know, it's known that there, uh, currently there's over 200,000 people in Alberta who have cancer, and astonishingly, one in, one in two will have it themselves at any point in their life. So this center, you know, is just an amazing world-class facility that's going to look after patient care, uh, diagnosis, and all that amazing research. It's going to be a magnet for researchers everywhere to come and pay attention. You know, how could this have happened without all the work of own cancer, the heal about that, U of C, Cancer Foundation, Alberta Health Services, and on and on. Just absolutely remarkable. The, uh, recently, I was speaking with Heather Culbert, uh, associate of Mr. Osler, and she said uh, it took a village to get this done, and boy, she wasn't wrong. So right now, of course, our focus is on the urgent challenges of our health system crisis and Alberta Health Services amongst many is stepping right up to the plate on that. We're facing the challenges of emergency department rate times, surgeries, reducing wait lists, and all of, the, all of those goals are actually the same as what's gonna happen in this building shortly. Improving the health care of all Albertans. 
And, you know, this center is an amazing asset that's going to come online and, and, you know, engage in that battle for the best health care that we can possibly, possibly give to our citizens who deserve it. You know, Minister Copping addressed the enhanced capacity that this center is going to offer along the lines of surgical wait times and actually access to high-end surgical beds technology. It just can't be overstated how amazing that's going to be and how it's going to, you know, prevent future crises if they should emerge with another pandemic or any other challenge like that. So this is just absolutely wonderful. So I just want to, uh, again, circle back and thank and congratulate all of the people, unnamed and named, who made this happen. So now I'd like to invite uh, Dr. Don Morris, and it's kind of his house, so there you go. Over to you, Don. Thank you, Dr. Cowell. You know, it's a real honor to come and, and speak to this. This has got a lot of hours of work in it, and it's really a magnificent building. I would be remiss, though, if I didn't actually call out all of the groups of people that have been involved in this. And John Osler will talk about, even in the early 2000s, around sort of the concept of, of a cancer hospital in uh, Calgary. You know, when we moved into the renovated Tom Baker Cancer Center in 1999, we're out, we outstripped its space in about three or four years. So this has been a vision long-standing. But over the last six or seven years, it really has been a partnership to get to where we are today, where you're standing. One of the things that I need to call out is all of the walks of life that have gone into this, and that would include my counterpart at the Charbonneau Cancer Center in the Coming School of Medicine. That would be Dr. Jen Chan who has uh, really been a stalwart over the last couple of years with regard to trying to endeavor for a research-savvy center in such a big building. I'll call out Alberta Precision Laboratories, which are also a tenant in this building, if you will. That's uh, huge. They have parts of two different floors, and so we'll have our molecular analysis, our hematology labs, all within the same building for our patients from an expertise but also a turnaround time point of view. And then all of the healthcare workers, all of our team members, many of which have never been in this building yet. And they're just sort of waiting at the doors with salivation, if you will, because we've been cramped in our space at the Tom Baker. We've also been decentralized somewhat, so we have footprints in many other different hospital settings and outpatient clinics. But this building will, in fact, allow us to bring uh, and centralize activities for the betterment of our patients and families. I'd also be remiss if I didn't call out our patient family advisory group committee. They've been stalwarts and have actually had a real footprint, fingerprint within this building in terms of its design and its models of care that will be delivered upon opening. And, and Nash will talk to you a little bit about her experience as one of our, our members of that PFAC group. They meet monthly, um, usually on Wednesday afternoons and are always eye-opening. We think we know cancer, we think we know healthcare. They tell us differently and we listen. The other thing that I just wanted to sort of make a mention of is what does this building actually allow us to do? It's a wonderful building. But what are the aspects that we can actually bring to bear using this infrastructure? And it's more than, but important, recruitment retention of staff, both scientific and healthcare, 
but really it's an ability to bring patients and families together as part of the healthcare team. And so that could be permission to use data, that could be permission to use various biospecimens, whether that be tumor, blood, or other, and allows us to actually have that integrated model that now with an electronic medical record that's provincial, Connect Care, you will hear from the frontline staff some hymns and haws, but overall it'll afford probably one of the first centers in the world, if you will, for this magnitude to capture data and to actually use it in real term, in real time to actually have better uh, outcomes for our cancer patients. So if we put all this together in a magnificent building, those activities, we are going to be an internationally recognized cancer spot. Uh, we will be a central referral area uh, to serve all of Alberta, including southern Alberta. It's not just about Calgary. It's about making sure that we support our urban, rural, and remote citizens within Alberta. And I think we're just poised to do that. So this is a, a marvelous, a wonderful sort of opportunity to speak to. But I will say on a little bit of a dampening note that we have a lot of work to do still. So we have the keys now. But the work really starts from the operational point of view to make it sure that this is a safe, warm, welcoming, but the best cancer center that we can actually produce. And so that will take us uh, many months, uh, in fact, over a year to do that. And you ask why? Well, the sheer size of the building, you know, it's, it's more than just the furniture, unpacking and putting it in. It's all of the fancy equipment that we have that need to be commissioning. Some of our machines take six months each to commission from a patient safety and a patient efficacy point of view. So lots of work to be done, but this is going to be a fun year ahead of us. So I'll stop there. Thank you very much. So um, I'd like to introduce John Osler. John and I have known each other intermittently over the years, but I'll just say a couple of words in that John has been one of the people in the back and now in the front that has been a driver for this cancer center, not just since 2015, but since the early 2000s. Uh, John comes with that corporate knowledge about cancer. He would have been involved. Is this cancer center going to be on the Children's Hospital, down on South Health Campus, uh, somewhere else, um, and was uh, front and center. But now he's leading our, our capital campaign to really make this place home. So I'll stop there, John. Thank you very much, Don, and I, I really am honored to be here. And Don, if you ask people close to me, they would like me to stop talking about what it took to get this beautiful transformational cancer building built, but it's something we're immensely proud of, and I'm very honored to be here with all of you, and thank you for letting me be a part of this. Uh, today we are talking about something truly transformational um, for our city, our province, but most importantly, and what it was always about for us, is cancer patients and their families. So I'm here today wearing three hats, really. I'm the co-chair of the Own Cancer Campaign. I'll talk about that uh, in a moment. I'm also uh, a cancer patient. I'm currently a cancer survivor. And I was part of the village that, uh, of so many people in Calgary and in Alberta and in our community who got this beautiful building uh, to where it is. So those of us who've been through cancer treatment or supported a cancer patient, and that pretty well counts all of us, we know too well what the inside of a cancer center is all about. 
But this one is a game changer. And as you've heard, the Calgary Can uh, Cancer Centre is the second largest comprehensive cancer centre in North America. It's bringing a groundbreaking approach to comprehensive patient care where patients will receive tailored, world-class treatment plans that consider everything about them. They treat the patient, their physical, mental, emotional and social needs all under one roof. But it's more than a building. This will be a place where we will elevate research and translate it into the best patient care, the best treatment and the best patient experience for every Albertan and every cancer patient who walks through the doors. So that's why I'm here. I'm here on behalf of the Own Cancer Campaign. It's a partnership, a beautiful partnership, among the University of Calgary, the Alberta Cancer Foundation, and Alberta Health Services, and our goal is to raise $250 million. It's a partnership that's an opportunity to realize our shared vision and to bring our community together and make this centre truly extraordinary. Why did we call it Own Cancer? Well, we all know that one in two Albertans are expected to face cancer sometime in their lifetime. Well, it's time to take back some of the power cancer has over us. The more we own cancer, the less it owns us. So, $250 million. Well, that's to fuel world-class research. Uh, and it also serves, and this is really important and something that I, I think we need to talk about more. It's an economic driver for our city and our province, and the minister touched on this. But it's also fostering innovations in patient care and the patient experience, starting right here in Alberta, but ripping through, rippling through our global communities and we all have a role in this and I wax a little bit poet, poetic about how this province was built but it was built by pioneering and selfless individuals who stood up and delivered. They put our city and province on the map. I think of great names like Cross and Hotchkiss and Seaman, Fisher, Hart and Haskane to name just a few. It's time for a new generation, a generation I'm part of to answer this call and lead Everyone has a cancer story. Everyone can do their part to bring this building to life and own cancer once and for all. So thank you for letting me be here. It's an honour. And it's also an honour to introduce to you uh, my new friend, Nishreen Mita. Nishreen is a member of the Patient and Family Advisory Council. Thank you. Thank you, John. Good afternoon, distinguished guests. I would like to take this opportunity to thank Minister Newdorf and Minister Copping for the opportunity and the invitation today. I am truly honoured to be representing my colleagues on the Patient and Family Advisory Council. They send their heartfelt congratulations on reaching this milestone in our collective journey of our new Cancer Centre build. What and who is the Patient and Family Advisory Council? It is a group of individuals connected by a common thread we call cancer. A group of individuals who through their own personal cancer journeys saw opportunities to help build capacity within our healthcare system. They dared to dream and create a future that would carry their hopes and bring with it courage and a sense of purpose. Let your hopes, not your hurdles, shape your here and now, and ultimately your then, and today is our then. 
I feel so humbled and privileged to serve and volunteer on the Patient and Family Advisory Council since its inception in 2014. This opportunity has afforded me a voice to help guide, shape, and embed elements of family-centered care within the new Calgary Cancer Centre. To create a healing environment that would facilitate and promote a sense of wellness throughout all its design elements. You are actually constructing what your mind understood about what your eyes saw, but more importantly, what your heart felt. Our vision and hopes were that we wanted the building to feel like a giant hug. We wanted light shining through the building to help hope float. We wanted a building that would house courage, research, state-of-the-art equipment and facilities, and most importantly, a building that felt like a home for all the people that came through its doors. What once was a dream is is now a labor of love in the form of our new Calgary Cancer Cancer Centre. The whole difference between construction and creation is exactly this. A thing constructed can only be loved after it is constructed, but a thing created is loved before it even exists. It is with love and gratitude that I leave a piece of my heart within this building. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nasreen, for, for sharing your story. And thank you for your heart that you put in to this building and, and representing all of you who have gone on this, on this cancer journey. Uh, you know, again, thanks, John, for the, the work that you're doing uh, in terms of the OWN campaign. And, 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 and thank you to you know, uh, Dr. Ka- Dr. Cowling, but all everyone at AHS for the tremendous work. Uh, I want to also take the opportunity to thank... Uh, uh, my colleague, the, the Minister of Infrastructure, for, for the tremendous work that all the hours and everyone who's been involved in building this, the teams of designing it, uh, to make this a reality. I, I, do, I do know we'll have to wait a little bit for it to be uh, open, but I'm so excited for, uh, for this project uh, here in the heart of, of Calgary Varsity. Indeed, it's a, it's a great day to be getting the keys and we can start the next step of this really important project. And now with that, I would like to in, invite the Infrastructure Press Secretary, uh, Benji Smith, uh, to lead us in the questions. Benji. Thank you very much, Minister Copping. Um, so that brings us to the end of our formal event, and we'll move on to a question and answer period. Uh, so I ask that media please keep it to one question, one follow-up. Um, all the speakers are happy to take questions from you, and we will start on the floor with about 10 minutes uh, for questions, and then we'll switch over to the phones for another 10 minutes. Uh, so please use the mic provided just behind the cameras there. Identify yourself and your outlet and to whom you're directing your question. Thank you very much. All right, uh, I'm Tim with CTV News. I don't know who wants to take this one. I know it was poked at a couple different times, but I'm sure someone knows the answer for me. Um, it was mentioned that the goal here is to bring in a lot of different Albertans, maybe even people out of the province. I just want to know, is there goals as far as number of patients that come into this building every year? And how, how far away are these patients coming from? Is it just Alberta? Could we see people uh, next door in Saskatchewan or BC come as well? 
Yeah, I'd be happy to answer that question. So, you know, our catchment historically within the Tom Baker and, and, and its outreach has really included some of southeast BC and Saskatchewan just from geographical uh, positioning. You know, with COVID and everything else, it's been very difficult, in fact, to maintain adequate wait times for our patients locally in terms of Albertans. And so we've actually paused some of that uh, migration, if you will. Um, but historically, those patients would be within our catchment, and, and hopefully at some point in the near future, that will uh, uh, resume. The, the number of patients that truly our catchment is, remember that Cancer Care Alberta and the service delivery model really has 17 different sites, and it would include some of our, our regional centres in Lethbridge, Medicine Hat, Red Deer, Grand Prairie, as well as the two tertiary centres in terms of the Cross Cancer Institute in Edmonton and Calgary here. And so uh, with that geographical net, if you will, closer to home has really been a really powerful statement and, and sort of mantra, if you will, so that patients don't have to carry and, and travel far distances, especially for treatment that sometimes does have side effects, although we're trying to reduce that. So, so it is sort of a, a mecca, if you will, but we have, as I said before, sort of that urban, rural, remote strategy for, for providing cancer care to our, our uh, catchment areas. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, and my follow-ups for the health minister. Um, obviously, this amazing building isn't much without the people inside of it. So just as far as staffing is concerned, what are the goals? And, uh, you know, how, how are you planning, how is AHS planning to, to staff up this entire facility? Well, I can start, and then I'll actually ask Dr. Morris to comment on that. You know, from a uh, from a broad standpoint, um, we will be looking to increase staff for the for for this building. I was actually talking with Dr. Morris earlier. I was talking about the, one of the advantages of coming here. There actually is more space, uh, and you know, this is our goal: is to attract more people, uh, particularly researchers here working with the University of Calgary uh, in, in, into this building. Uh, we have a broad. You know, we understand. You know, when we take a step back. Um, that uh, there's a shortage of staff in Alberta generally, uh, and this is something that's being faced, you know, across the country and, and quite frankly around the world. Um, you know, we are moving forward, and we've already taken a number of steps in terms of you know expanding the seats in uh, in uh, post-secondary institutions around the province. Um, Calling Minister Nicolaitis, you know, an additional thirty million dollars for, um, you know, two thousands of seats for uh, nurses, LPNs, healthcare aides. Uh, you know, we are also in conversations right now, and and hopefully we'll be looking to announce shortly in terms of the expansion of our med schools at the U of C here, uh, and at the uh, and and at the U at the U of A, uh, and then we're also looking at how do we shorten the timelines for uh, leveraging immigration to invite newcomers here uh, to provide the roles, and and uh, and also expanding scope. And the list goes on. So we recognize that there is a uh, there's a shortage. We're working on that right now, um, and we're also planning to actually increase staffing for this centre. It's going to take some time, but uh, with that, maybe Dr. Morris, if you'd like to comment a little bit further on that. Yeah, thank you, Minister. So, um, obviously, staffing is, is, is a big concern. I, I, would, I would say, without being able to defend it from a figure point of view, is that cancer has been relatively unscathed, that's probably too strong a word with regard to um, a lot of the pandemic, a lot of the um, tiredness that our healthcare sector workers are truly experiencing now. We're not immune to it by any means, but there's no doubt that with a new building there will have to be growth. 
And so what are our strategies with regard to recruitment as well as retention? And, and I think the strategies are the building itself. The vision of the building, I think, is attractive. But it's really um, reassuring to hear from Minister that some of our international medical graduates on the medical side of things uh, may have an easier time to be integrated and brought up to speed within our healthcare systems. The nursing programs, the clerical uh, programs, all of which need to be increased. Um, the workforce is tired and, and we need to respect that and we need to be thinking about strategies to actually uh, you know, sort of recoup those losses. Um, uh, I think the building actually is a bright light to actually be able to do that, especially in the, in the cancer world. So we'll stop there. Marc-Antoine Leblanc, Radio-Canada, CBC French. Um, my question is for Minister Carping, but in French. Um, my question is, what does it mean for the Calgarians, or rather for the Albertans, this new centre? Well, thank you so much for the question. I, I'm, I'm going to apologize. I'm going to need a little more uh, practice for faire la réponse en français, mais merci quand même. Et peut-être on va parler plus tard pour 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 que je peux pratiquer un peu avant de de, de vous donner mon, uh, ma réponse. Uh, mais I can say it's it's, it's incredibly important for uh, for Calgarians for and uh, for people in southern Alberta and in fact all Albertans this this center. You know what will as as mentioned by Dr. Morris, uh, this will you know allow to bring in. Uh, disparate aspects of providing cancer care into one house, and that, that, that creates synergies. And it also allows this becomes a bright light. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be you know one of the leading centers uh, in the entire country, and quite, quite frankly, in North America and around the world, uh, to be able to attract people and, and researchers and enable us to, to try out more uh, uh, new therapies. So, very excited uh, uh, about this, um, and uh, looking forward to it opening uh, in early 2024. That, we'll, but we can talk after about. Uh, well, my next question was supposed to be in French also, but it was um, how many people can be treated at the Tom Baker Center, let's say, during a year versus this new center uh, when it will be opened? So, so this new center is designed to be able to increase the treat, uh, increase the number of people treated, but for the details, I'm going to ask Dr. Morris to, uh, to speak to that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the difficult questions. I'd, I'd be looking in the front row here for the answers, in fact. Um, so what this building does allow, though, is that it is built to a scale that instead of running out of, out of space to treat people in three, four years, as I mentioned with the Tom Baker and its, and its history, is that this is built for the future. Um, and so being able to accommodate complex treatments, uh, more actual numerical increases with regard to numbers, uh, it will accommodate that. Obviously, we need to scale up proportionally with regard to um, staffing, etc. But one point I will say a little bit off topic is that our cancer volumes are not new patients only. It's in fact people are living much, much longer and so therefore require needs Uh, along that journey. And so multiple people are getting multiple lines of treatment and support mechanisms to support them in that. Median survivals, half the people having passed away from the disease, half the people living with the disease, have increased dramatically. When I started training in Calgary here, we had a 42% coming through the Tom Baker doors of actual uh, five-year survivals. 
we're now approaching 65%. And that's because of better treatments. That's because of better support, better clinical care. So the answer around numerically, I can't give you it. I have to consult the experts. But at the end of the day, we have built this really for the future, so it should not be an issue. Thank you. Thank you very much. We have time for one more question from the floor. Hi, uh, Bill Kaufman, uh, Post Media. Uh, I'm just wondering um, what exactly needs to be done now in the next uh, year or so to uh, to ensure that the uh, this cancer center opens. So, so thank you, and uh, I'm not sure how long I have. There's a lot of work to be done. Um, the bottom line is that it's, it's more than just sort of moving in furniture, chairs, desks, computers, phones, printers. There's a lot of equipment here that takes an inordinate amount of time to actually commission, which is really sort of fine-tune it from a safety and a, and a treatment outcome point of view. A lot of that is in our lower courtyard right below us here from a radiation uh, medicine program. These are the fancy radiation machines, if you will. There's all of the logistics about moving our current footprint over here. How does that actually happen? That's a huge activity profile in itself. Then there's all of the training of staff into the new building, more than just wayfinding, but actually how do we actually do things efficiently in a patient-centric way? But if you add all of that up, somebody did the math within the team with regard to three loading bays, how many elevators we actually have, and how much furniture we have to come in during our work week, and, and you'd be astounded that it was over a year. Um, and so we obviously need to tighten those things down, but at the end of the day, the amount of work, from my point of view, I probably only know a tenth of the work that has to be done. The teams are really working feverishly around this. So those are the kinds of things that will sort of put us into that sort of 2024 timeline. And it is difficult, and I'll just be on a soapbox here for a minute, it is difficult for people to actually understand substantial completion is really a building term. And that AHS now has the keys, but the operational work actually has to happen. And so we're not putting up new walls, we're actually putting in new models of care during this period of time. So it's a significant amount of work to be done. And that's why people are a little bit stupefied in terms of why it can't be done in a month or two. It's, it's a huge endeavor and a huge team to, to do it. So thank you for the question. Um, and I'm wondering if you could, if somebody that could tell, tell us, you know, what, what, what exactly would be the staffing number for the new cancer center and compare that to what we have now at the Tom Baker? Yeah, so great question, Caroline. Do you want to take that one? So the, so the staffing model is is built on a couple of assumptions. And so one of the assumptions is in terms of, of funding uh, that will be available to actually new programs. And so we've been very thoughtful and we've been instructed uh, over the years to actually think about sort of three stages of, of sort of kitting out the, uh, the populace with regard to our function. And so what we have now, we can move over, that's guaranteed. What we have now, plus some new programming and augmented growth, is really a, a phase two. And then total, total occupancy would be a phase three. Um, and so from a hiring point of view and from a staging point of view, 
it really is going to be in those pieces of, uh, of those stages. And, and I'm relatively optimistic that uh, we will have support. And again, at an at a engagement party on Wednesday, I sort of said to um, my bosses, if you will, something about a pink slip, so I should probably be fairly quiet about some of this. But I'm really optimistic that with their current leadership, in terms of Dr. Cowell, Mauro Kias, and our executive leadership team, that we will be supported in terms of what we actually need to provide for our, uh, to make this is the dream of a comprehensive cancer center that's fully functional. So we'll stop there. Thank you very much. That wraps up our time for questions from the floor. Operator, can you please put through our first caller? Our first caller is Jessica Robb, CTV. Please go ahead. Hi there. Thanks for taking my question. Um, my, my question is for Minister Popping, and I will apologize in advance. It's, it's not about the announcement today. Um, earlier this week, you said help was on the way for the two children's hospitals in the province. And I'm just wondering if we have any details on what that help is and when can hospitals expect to see that help? Yeah. No, thanks for, the, uh, thanks for the question. You know, the, uh, um, you know, that question was in response to what do we say to parents about the challenges and that the help is on the way. You know, part of that was done as, as the, uh, uh, in, in the context of the announcement that we made on uh, bringing in 5 million bottles of acetaminophen ibuprofen, uh, which will, you know, have, uh, provide some assistance in regards to uh, um, uh, reducing the, the stress on, uh, on the hospitals because in, in certain cases you have uh, parents who are coming to the hospitals who, who can't get the fevers down and they're very concerned they're coming to the hospital uh, to see doctors about that. Uh, but quite frankly, it's broader than that. Uh, you know, I like to thank the tremendous work being done by Alberta Health Services and uh, and the folks working in the uh, in the children's hospitals, both Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, a number of, of measures have been put in place. You know, you know uh, not only expanding capacity and then bringing in staff, uh, additional staff to be able to uh, uh, to um, uh, be able to. Uh, manage uh, more patients and, and those beds. Um, also, you know, a development of different processes in terms of a, uh, you know, a fast track, um, be able to look at, you know, provide you know, um, quick treatment uh, and then let people to, to be able to, uh, to go home and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, faster. Uh, and then we also are continuing to build capacity in the system generally. You know, that is the work that is being done by AHS and, quite frankly, uh, uh, Dr. Cowell, uh, looking at the entire flow because it's not just about the emergency departments and, and, and inpatient. Uh, it's about how do we move patients who are in the beds right now uh, and get them to either home or alternate levels of care faster. Uh, and so there's a, a whole host of initiatives that are underway uh, looking at that, you know, not only uh, expanding capacity uh, for alternate levels of care, uh, but also looking at ways into that, you know, where we find places where uh, transfers uh, are an impediment. Uh, how do we actually uh, support uh, uh, patients and, and getting them home to places they need to be so they're not in the hospitals and we can improve the entire flow. Uh, and then additionally is hiring more staff. And, and, and again, I fully appreciate you know hiring and training takes time, uh, but we are investing significantly in this province in, in, uh, in building our, our health care, our human health resources. Uh, we're continuing to work on that. So uh, help is on the way, both short, medium, and uh, uh, and, and long term, and I guess I'll just give one other comment. Um, you know, we're talking about yes, it's particularly challenging right now, um, but when we when we look out on the on the horizon, you know, it appears right now that the uh, we have peaked in terms of uh, this current bout 
of flu. Now, it can come back, uh, you know, and in flu seasons, you know, you may have multiple spikes uh, that happens. But, you know, we're looking at the wastewater data. We're looking also in terms of the number number of uh, inpatients. Uh, so that's been reducing for a couple of weeks. Now, that takes time to see that show up in the hospitals. Like, so even though the numbers are reducing, they're still, they're still uh, putting pressure on the hospitals. Um, so, you know, our our current assessment is that, you know, over the next couple of weeks, we should see that pressures uh, 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 come off. I'm hopeful for that. Um, and then we're continuing to build capacity in our system because we may very well be uh, back in another bout of flu, uh, you know, in the new year. Um, but we're continuing to build capacity both from a, uh, from a healthcare standpoint, improving the flow uh, so we can actually uh, provide the, the needs to people faster and get those wait times down in, in emergency departments and provide the services to uh, Alberta patients that they need. Thank you very much. And do you have a follow-up, Jessica? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the wastewater. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that now, and it, it, the flu is going down, but RSV is uh, is on the rise as well. Are, are there any concerns about the rise in, um, in the wastewater specifically? I'm looking at Edmonton, that's where I am. Um, but it looks like across the province, um, RSV in the wastewater is on. It's going up as well. Are, are there any concerns specifically about RSV? Um, when it comes to the children's hospitals and things like that. Yeah, so so it's something that we're we're watching closely, and it's basically this is a combination of all three things that we're seeing. You know, putting pressure on our our harsh health system generally is you know COVID nineteen is still there, uh, although it seems to. Um, the technical term is bouncing around. That's actually not the technical term, but 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 really, it's it's it seems to be maintained at a re, re, relatively steady level. So it is taking up uh, some of the resources in our healthcare system. You know, the flu is coming down. It's RS, RSV is circulating out there. You know, when I take a look at um, uh, indicators, particularly um, in Edmonton and Calgary, um, and we look at the percentage of, of kids missing school. Uh, missing schools that's published by um, you know look at the the Calgary board and the uh, the Edmonton boards you know that peaked a number of weeks ago at roughly 15 percent uh, in both cities uh, now it's down around six or seven so uh, we're continuing to watch uh, watch that and in all of this um, th- behind the scenes we're looking at improving processes and hiring you know not only hiring more staff but training more staff to build capacity thank you very much operator can you please put through our next caller the next question is from Julia Wong, CBC. Please go ahead. Hi, this question is from Mr. Copping. Uh, 24% of Albertans have their flu shot, and we're seeing those high hospitalization numbers related to it. BC is launching a vaccine blitz and opening drop-in clinics across their province after six young people died from the flu. Is Alberta considering mass flu vaccination clinics? Yeah, so we, we are actually running a flu campaign right now uh, in Alberta. Um, you know, many, probably everyone in this room has uh, gotten a text on their phones. I see some nods. Uh, I did, did as one. Very pleased as a part of this campaign. Uh, we've been actually over the last two and a half, uh, two weeks, increased the number of people who have actually got the flu vaccines by three and a half percent. So, you know, we are continuing our campaign in terms of uh, being out there talking to people to get the, uh, the flu vaccine. If you're watching, even watching today, uh, if you haven't got a flu vaccine, Please get out and get that. You know we have the the ability to uh, to get it in pharmacies. Um, you know across the entire uh, uh, across the entire province. Uh, you know either by appointment or walk in. Uh, you can also call eight one one to be able to find out where to get it. And, and particularly you know eight one one in terms of clinics because for uh, for younger patients they actually need to book through AHS. Thank you very much. And do you have a follow up? I do. 
Do you think, and this, again, it's for Minister Copping, do you think the COVID restrictions uh, that we saw over the last two years are playing a major role or having an impact on this year's tridemic and the pressure on the healthcare system? Yeah, so, so I, I'm, not a, I'm not a doctor. Um, we've got lots behind me, but the, uh, the, uh, uh, what I've been informed is that the, uh, the fact that we didn't have um, flu viruses circulating um, uh, during the previous two years, we didn't actually have a, uh, uh, a flu season, um, you know, may have impacted and, and make this flu season worse. Um, but that said, um, you know, when we, we, we noticed that, you know, last spring was the first flu season that uh, that we had in, in two years, and now we're into a typical flu season. We, you know, right now, uh, we knew that looking south of the border um, uh, that this was going to be a bad flu season. This is the experience that they had in Australia. Very pleased that, as you know, that when the flu vaccine is uh, is chosen. Um, uh, they're looking at different variants. Um, you know, we. The, my understanding is that the the variants that are picked right now um, that we picked are the right ones. So it is very effective. Uh, so again, we'd urge, we'd urge everyone if you haven't got your flu shot, uh, please go to your local pharmacy and and get it done. Thank you very much, operator. Can you please put through our last caller? Next question is from Madeline Smith, Edmonton Journal. Please go ahead. Hi there. This question is for Minister Copping, although if uh, Dr. Cowell would like to weigh in as well, that might be relevant. Um, so there's currently an interim CMO, an interim CEO of AHS. We just learned the two deputy medical officers of health have also resigned. And uh, today we're hearing that the chief paramedic uh, is also going to be leaving in the new year. Uh, so, how will you be able to stabilize the health system and implement the reforms you're pursuing uh, when critics might say this kind of personnel turnover contributes to an additional sense of uncertainty? Yeah. So, uh, well, I, I appreciate, you know, that maybe a view of some critics, but the, the reality is, is we are putting, um, you know, in our, our Dr. Joffrey, our CMOH uh, and, and, uh, 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 Moral Kiez is our interim CEO of AHS, extremely capable people in terms of doing uh, the roles that, that, that they're doing. Um, you know, I, you know, in regards to uh, Chief Sandbeck, uh, I understand I was informed today that he was uh, leaving, so I thank him for all the service. Uh, but we are focused on delivering on the key priorities of government, which is, you know, you know, uh, Building capacity within our in our healthcare system, uh, dealing with issues in returns to emerge, you know, getting down emergency uh, department wait times, uh, getting down the EMS response times, um, getting you know getting caught up on the surgeries uh, and and having more health human resources. So we are moving forward on that, um, and there there may be change, and I appreciate that. But we have some very competent people in Dr. Jaffe and Moro Kias, uh and doing the role, and I'm, I'm certain that we will, you know, as Chief uh, Sandback departs, uh, we'll have some very competent uh, individuals there to do that, and we are focused on uh, on delivering, but perhaps I can ask uh, Dr. Cowell if you'd like to say a few words in this. I think you've covered it rather well, so I, could, okay. I don't really have Okay, no. Dr. Cowell has nothing more to add, thanks. Thank you very much. Do you have a follow-up? Yes, I do. Um, as well, I think we've talked a bit about the uh, respiratory virus season and the current situation with uh, children's hospitals. Um, so the Ottawa Children's Hospital has been having so much trouble that they're going to be accepting staffing help from the Red Cross. Uh, so what are we doing in Alberta to prevent 
measures like that being necessary. I know there's always there's already been um, some difficult decisions that have had to be made uh, at the Alberta Children's Hospital in Calgary. But you know, what are we doing to to make sure that the, the situation doesn't uh, you know deteriorate to to the point that uh, some other provinces are seeing? Yeah. So, so we have been like this is as, thanks for pointing that out. We've had a challenge. Uh, there's challenges here in, in Alberta. Um, and you know, this is across the entire country and, and, you know, you've seen uh, in other provinces where they've, you know, done wholesale canceling of surgeries, um, uh, and other actions that they've needed to take. Um, we haven't needed to do that here. Uh, we continue to, uh, uh, to do, get the surgical volumes and, and continue to, to do that. We have had to make some hard choices, as you mentioned here in, in, uh, you know, in Calgary and temporarily suspending, uh, you know, certain, uh, respite programs and, and, uh, moving staff in to be able to provide the service over a, over a short period of time. Hopefully that only last over the next couple of, uh, a couple of weeks and they can return to that. Um, but you know, what are we doing? We're building capacity overall. Uh, so we continue to hire, continue to train, uh, more individuals and then, looking at flow. Um, so how do we actually move people through our hospital system, through our acute care system uh, quicker, um, you know, t- you know, and the, the handoffs uh, move faster and be able to provide the care we need. So we are focused on continuing to build capacity. And, and that is, you know, one of the key reasons that we, we brought in Dr. Cowell. Uh, and he's working with our leadership team to be able to, uh, um, to build that capacity and ensure that we can provide service to Albertans. Dr. Uh, maybe Dr. Cowell, if you want to comment on that, that'd be great. Uh, thank you, Minister. There, there's a few things I would say that COVID taught us a lot about how to handle surge and surge capacity. So we've learned from that, and we're learning every day more. So when you think about how the the uh, perfect storm happened at the sick children's just recently with all three viruses combining within days, the already existing quite significant surge capacity got used up. And so I'm just so proud, actually, of the way in which that team responded. Now, they had to make some tough calls, but they were very careful not to harm anything that was at that respite center. So they made all the right moves because the absolute acute problem that absolutely had to be faced, and they did it by bringing that well-trained group of nurses over, and they pitched in, and we got through it. And so I think that is a sign of really knowing what to do when you're hit with the absolute unusual. And the other great advantage of Alberta Health Services structure is you can do what's called load leveling. You can actually use your resources that are available in another location. And that's been worked out very carefully. So there's a lot of things going on in Alberta services that um, perhaps aren't well known in the public. And I'd just like to tell you that uh, <clears throat> on my journey of discovery over the last few weeks, I'm getting increasingly optimistic that we really do know what we're doing, although it may not seem that way when you know, you're faced with this crisis. And uh, it is a crisis. But boy, I tell you, Alberta Health Services got their act together and they're getting better and better at it. So I just want to send out that, just be confident. Like, uh, we're doing okay. We faced a big challenge. We can do better and we know how to get better. So thank you.
Thank you very much. That concludes our uh, formal program. We will have all the speakers please come to the podium for a quick picture, and then we will all embark on our tours. Thank you very much for coming, everybody.